With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. KXNO Des Moines. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook at Wild Rose Studios, this is 1460 KXNO. Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Condon, hour number two, busy hour. Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette momentarily. David Kaplan, we will head to Chicago with uh, Cappy at about 11.20. And then Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com, previewing uh, West Virginia hosting Iowa State. He'll be our final guest on the BMW of Des Moines guest list for a Thursday. Let's get Mark Morehouse in here. Uh, He joins the program. Mark Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on, Mark Morehouse. How are you? I'm hanging in there. That is play, that is playing music that I can I can definitely grok with. And you and me this. both. Don't read too don't read too much into that. I just like the song. Not the song. What it's about. Right. Right. Not the subject. <laughs> I don't think you... any of your bosses are listening right now, Mark. It's all right. It's just you, me, and Ken. Uh, yeah. I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> and uh, anymore, my goodness, it's about going down than it is going up. A- absolutely. Fifty two. I want a beer and just hang out. I don't need. The subject of that song, no, not a, not a fifty-two. Uh, let's get into what we're going to see this week, Mark. And uh, look at it's it's under the lights. I, I love the broadcast team, by the way. Sean McDonough, I think, is terrific. Todd Blackledge is, is as good as there is, in my opinion. Maybe doesn't get the credit. I don't think that he deserves. I think Agreed. it's a great crew. Uh, really do. I, I hope it's a, a really fun football game, Mark. And here's where I'm having trouble really wrapping my arms around it. I'm not sure what Penn State has played so far this year. They, they're clearly, at least statistically, better at the quarterback position. Uh, Barkley goes, here comes Sanders. They plug him in. He goes for 1,200 or whatever it was, 1,300. They've got running back by committee so far this year. I'm not sure what they've played, so I just don't have a good feel as to how this one's going to turn out on Saturday night. Athletes and speed. Uh, again, I think last week Iowa found out what speed is, and uh, Michigan brought a lot of it. Uh, I think Iowa's internal clocks will be set a little bit better offensively for pressure, and it's coming. You guys know it is. Uh, one-on-one matchups will be tough. Uh, Yatira Gross Matos, one of the best pass rushers in the Big Ten, five-and-a-half sacks. Uh, Shaka Tony, same, same boat. Uh, so, you know, Penn State's coming, uh, 25 sacks. I think they're going for the fifth season of 40-plus sacks, which – Blows my mind. Quarterback, I love how Sean Clifford was born in, in, into the system. Uh, uh, he and uh, Tommy Stevens kind of fo- tried to force the issue with the coaching staff. Coaching staff said, get bent, and Clifford <laughs> is your guy. He's yards and machine number two, 9.2 yards per play. Leads wow. the Big Ten in total offense. So uh, they, they've got my attention. Uh, Iowa, Ken, and Scott Dockerman and I have just spent two hours doing a podcast, and 
you ha- I think if, if people play a drinking game with that, it'll be <laughs> you have to strain what Penn State has done through the competition it's faced. You know, they faced one one team with a heartbeat in yep. Pitt. I think Iowa's a hell of a lot better than Pitt. I do, too. I do, too. And that's why I'm... I'm in Penn State, yeah, they've got that brand and they got them helmets and this Penn State, but I don't know what they'd be. Go ahead, Trent. Fan base-wise, you've seen some ugliness. I know, Ken, uh, going back to the Kyle McCann-Brad Banks era, the Boo Birds that started to rain down. After what we saw last week and the ability Penn State certainly has to get to the quarterback, they had 10 sacks themselves last week. If this offense goes in a hole early and Iowa finds themselves in a hole, maybe 10 nothing early, could it get ugly inside of Kinnick Stadium? Yeah, there, yeah, there could be. I mean, there could be some booze. Uh, that, that's a great pull by Ken because I kind of had forgotten about uh, the McCann thing. And that, yep. you know, people can parse that however they want. That was not a good look. Uh, you know, were they booing the refs or were they booing the quarterback? It looked like they were booing the quarterback. I remember that vividly. I was on the field. So, yeah, Iowa fans kind of do eat their own. I think that's a lot of fan bases. But what really struck me with Stanley on Tuesday is him talking. It, it just really sounded like stuff was going. People were registering their dis, displeasure to him physically on campus. And that kind of struck me. And, uh, you know, that doesn't sound like a healthy thing. And, uh, you know, if you're self-identifying a little bit too much with your teams, and, uh, hey, I, I got caught up with that. Before the Packers won the Super Bowl, I was a nut job. Uh, I'm okay now. They won a Super Bowl. I won too. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm normal now. But but I understand the hunger. I understand the passion. Teams operate on that. Teams feed off of that from the fan base. It actually puts money in their pocket. So there is a little bit of guff you have to take. I'm a critic. I admit that. I'm uh, the guy who looks at a game and goes, this happened, this happened, this happened. It's not all great. But to take it take it personally, uh, that's tough for me. And And, you know, I think it's we're talking about basically 7% of the fan base, and I'm just throwing that number out there. I'm going to guess it's single digits. But, you know, I find this in my Twitter. I find this in a lot of my social media interactions. You know, I give a lot of too, probably too much attention to the negative ones and not enough attention to the either neutral ones or the ones that are saying good things. I'm going to try to do that from now on. Hmm. Well, uh, Tyler Goodson's one of those good things. Is it is it time that uh... – uh, they've taken the training wheels off, but is, is it time they put more on his plate, Mark? He he seems to be, I mean, clearly has the highest ceiling of the trio. We're starting to see him get more involved. Is it time that they go all the way in with him, do you think? I think so, yes, but I also think uh, there are variables we don't know. We don't know what he doesn't know, and I wrote a couple times this week, it's it's really bad. The, the toughest thing about football is finding out what you don't know in front of a stadium full of people. And if there's anything left there, maybe spackle that together and maybe put together a package where you don't depend on him to, to block for your quarterback in the backfield on a passing play. Get him in, get him, get him in a space with the, where you can put the ball in his hands. That's his best use. Now, if you know if that is that a big too big a tell for the defense? Okay, here comes number fifteen. He's not going to be in the block. This is going to be a ball. This is going to be a play that's either going to go to him, run pass, and formation. Probably going to tell a lot, but he works at a different speed than the other running backs. And last week against a fast defense like Michigan, you know that's something you really, I think, you'd really want to access. So, Ken, I am there. I'm not throwing out uh, 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 Torn Young or Akai Sargent. I think they're both very important. They both add things to this team. Uh, both are excellent in pass protection. Uh, but I did think it was telling that uh, you know, ask Coach, Coach 
uh, Kirk Ferentz on Tuesday, you know, uh, Tyler Goodson moved up on the depth chart. Uh, Ivor Kelly Martin moved down. They are the three now. And uh, you, you brought you brought it up, Ken. There's no more redshirt for Tyler Goodson. Play him as much as you possibly can. Don't don't put him in positions where he's not going to be successful because that could scar a young player, and that obviously hurts the team. That balance we don't know. We don't know what he doesn't know. So it's it's. I'm not going to say blanketly just throw him in, but yeah, probably throw him in <laughs> if that makes sense. Eight sacks given up. You're talking about taking the training wheels off the running back position and what we're going to see maybe with Goodson going forward. How about the training wheels coming off for Justin Brin, a guy we know they're extremely yeah. high on. The Paulsons both really struggled at the guard position on Saturday. Is it time to look that route, too? That's a tougher one because you're talking about a freshman offensive lineman. And it's an important year for development for him. Um, I would say this, Trent. I, you know, here we are in week week six, and uh, Kyler Schott was a guy who nobody thought would be right. anywhere this season. And I would say, argue right now, Trent, they miss him. And they need him. Mm-hmm. And this week I saw him leaving the uh, 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 complex on one of those uh, uh, injured guy scooters. So he's probably not coming back anytime soon. So, Trent, you might be onto something. I mean, they, it might get to him. So, uh, if it does, I think, I think he's at the point where he does burn a red shirt. That is probably one of the conversations they're having this week because that has to improve. Mm. Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette, is our guest. Got a couple more minutes with Mark. We'll let you go. Uh, Mark, maybe it was just the unfair expectations that so many, myself included, uh, heaped on A.J. Epinesa, who's going to get his first start to be that full-time guy in his final year when everybody assumed it was going to be his final year at Iowa before he goes and becomes a top-five pick in April's. Uh, NFL draft. I mean, as I think back to the, as the probably is most excited about anything, uh, either with Iowa, Iowa State, was just seeing Epinesa take what I thought was going to be a massive step forward. Hasn't happened. Unfair that we leap these expectations on him. I mean, all good players get, you know, double teams. Most have found a way to, you know, to work through them. Epinesa's off to a slow start. What's behind it, do you think? Or do you think? Well, uh, I, I think uh, he's doing what their what their East coach should do. He's playing run first. It's hard to get to a pass move when you're told to play run first. So there is that. Uh, I think his game has grown immensely. Uh, he's playing the run well. I mean, you guys see what I was doing. Uh, uh, they're playing the run well. They're a top uh, 10 defense in the country. So I would say, I, we talked about this in the podcast. I would right now does not have very impressive or really any tackles for loss, or sacks. That tells me, okay, oh, my goodness, the alarm's going off. Well, then you look at scoring defense, number three in the country. So I would say, I would argue that A.J. Epinez is doing what he, his job and he's doing what they're asking him to do, and really in a roundabout way, it's working, right? I mean, number three scoring defense in the country, and that's what you want. So, yeah, the sack numbers aren't there, but, you know, I, I think, and I even, after a game, uh, one of the, uh, I think the, uh, uh, Second game of the year, uh, Rutgers game. I asked Ferentz, "Well, why isn't why isn't Epineza picking offensive tackles up and throwing them out of the stadium and, <laughs> and then backing the quarterback down into Middle Earth?" Well, you know what? Uh, that's 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 uh, fantasy football. Uh, yeah, he has some sack moves, and uh, yeah, there were expectations, but there's a lot more in his plate this year. And I I personally think he's playing really well. Um, I would I would say this, Phil Ken. I I would like Iowa to unleash him a little more. Uh, if there's a third and six down, let him make his pass rush move. He's probably not going to run out of position. 
Matt Hankins uh, working his way back. Sound like he was getting closer, certainly, last week. Hamler and the rest of that wide receiver crew. Evan Hankins would help. What do you expect to see out there with the defensive backfield and Geno Stone? Boy, uh, how well he played on Saturday. I would say this, Trent. Um, ESPN came in, and I'll say this. ESPN has access to a lot better stats than I do. Uh, I, I just sit here and, and I try to make what I can make out of it. Uh, ESPN stat had, uh, uh, let me see, let me get to it. Um, Nick Neiman and Jimon Colbert, they're allowing a 68.4 completion rate in slot coverage this season. So I would say that, yeah, Iowa does miss the 425 and a Monty Hooker. <laughs> and <player>. a Monty <laughs> Hooker. <laughs> yeah. The, the, oh, yeah. The big, big 10 defensive back of the year who owned the position and left a year early for the NFL. Right. They are missing that guy. Yeah. I think Hankins coming back gives them maybe that flex where they can get to that. In a game like this, that would be huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the question that I wonder about will Hankins come back as the cash or the corner? I think DJ Johnson has grown enough where he's not going anywhere. He is going to play for the secondary. I think this gets them better, and if they can get to the four-two-five, it can maybe they can better deal with that uh, the, the, the space players like KJ Hamler. Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette. What time will the podcast be posted, Mark? Any idea? You know, I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. It should be, uh, pro- you know, with probably around one or two. And it's two hours. You guys talk two hours? No, 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 no. We we we, we pared it down. We don't go much more than ninety minutes anymore. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's all Ken. It's mostly about hockey this time. Oh, I'm in. Hey, by the way, uh, <laughs> sat- Saturday good. night, uh, Blackhawks Jets. I know you're a little busy. You'll be you'll be looking, <laughs> looking out the press box window at Kinnick, but uh, our two squads. Hey, and I listen, we listen to the game going over to uh, driving over to Michigan. I am not encouraged, Ken. Nor am I, Mark. Both of our teams, maybe. <laughs> Good. Long Less year. hockey talk this year. <laughs> Mark, we'll talk to you in a week's time. Thank you, buddy. You bet. Thank you, guys. Good to talk to you. Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette. Gazette.com backslash sports. So, Mark obviously is on the football beat. We kind of buried the lead today. Yes, and Bohannon. Yeah, Thank that, you. The, the beard, right? That's where we're going? No. I didn't even notice. I saw the headlines. You didn't see any pictures of him? I, did, I saw the story that he's maybe going to play. That was he's more... Gonna, that's obviously... But that beard. His, it, his teammate Joe Wieskamp believed that he dyed it going into media day and all the pictures. That really? And he's, he's trying to look a little more menacing. He was trying to look more menacing, darkening that thing up. Well, did you see the reason that he's going to attempt to play? He doesn't want to leave it in the NCAA's hands. Yeah. But, I mean, doesn't it, at this point, isn't it a, a... I think that was more of a conversation, though, if he decides to play a couple of games. And then takes it. And then takes it. That's what gotcha. concerns him. If he does take a shot, I think you want to kind of go all into it. Well, we saw this a couple years ago with Naz Mitru Long, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. Good point. How many games did he? Was it two? Uh, not sure, but uh, they they cut but him off right But as you get right closer right to that number, yeah. that six, seven, eight number, yeah. it gets a little bit more concerning, and then you lose your senior year, and you don't want that. No. Uh, so gut gut feeling. Is he going to play? Yes, and I, I would not have said that a couple I days ago. Have, I, I, on Monday, I wouldn't have yeah. said it. I'm with you, boy. It sure sounds like he's going to give it a whirl. Um, if he does, well, you know what? We got plenty of weeks to talk about that. I'm, I'm, I hope he does. This Iowa team needs him badly. Uh, we will take a timeout. Uh, David Kaplan's going to join Trent. Uh, lipped off earlier in the week just how easy the Des Moines commute is. Well, today wasn't the case. Not at all. 55 minutes to get to Ankeny from. Uh, oh, I'm leaving 20 minutes. Burr.
to 200-200. That's super to 200. In this nationwide contest. And David Kaplan joins the program next. He's brought to us by Centurion Stone of Iowa. We're here until noon. It's 14-6. Delivered. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back as Miller and Condon continues on, taking you up until noon today. Ken Miller going to stop back in here in a moment, but right now we got Cappy, David Kaplan, joining us as he does each and every week. It's presented by Centurion Stone of Iowa. Cappy, plenty to get into here today. Baseball continues hot and heavy. NFL, a bye week for the Bears. And a look back before we look forward, last week, that game against the Raiders, Certainly a stinger. It really felt with the way the schedule breaks down, how difficult it gets after this bye week. That was one they needed to get. Well, you know, you look at the way the schedule's coming up now out of the bye week, and you have, you know, the Saints. Now they don't have Drew Brees. And you've got to deal with later in the season, you got the Chiefs on that list. And there's a bunch of other really, really good teams. The Chargers, who are struggling but still talented. The Eagles. So they they needed that victory, no doubt about it. But, you know, okay, they lost to Miami last year and they lost to the Giants, and then they went on a 9 out of 10 run to uh, finish at 12-4. and Can they do that again? Yeah, they can. But Mitchell Trubisky, I think, has shown why he's the starter and Chase Daniels not, and he has got to step up when they play again. they got to start using him to run the football some. They've got to be better at getting their running game going with David Montgomery, who has not really flashed yet here through the first five weeks. And they got to figure this whole thing out and quickly because their whole line's been terrible. Yeah, and, and that's exactly where I was going to go. You mentioned David Montgomery, but the frustration there with the offensive line, we felt coming in that this was going to be a pretty good offensive line. That certainly hasn't been the case. Any reasons behind it? Of course, we know about the move. James Daniels moving to the center position, the former Hawkeye. Is, is that a big piece of it? Yes, it's a piece. I don't know if I'd say a big piece, but yeah, James has struggled. No question about it. They've struggled with the zone blocking scheme that they run, but they've also had Kyle Long, who's not healthy. He's not the guy he used to be with a hip problem, and so he's been bad. James Daniels has certainly struggled to adapt to being an NFL center, but he's only 21 years of age. It's going to take time. So you get those two have been a problem. Charles Leno has more holding penalties than any other left tackle in the game. So that's been a problem. And so Bobby Massey's been okay, not great. Okay. And Cody Whitehair's been pretty good. Well, a five-man offensive line can't have one pretty good, one okay, and three guys struggling, and that's where they're at right now. So Mitchell Trubisky working his way back in. I saw yesterday the Bears released Tyler Bray after his release. he got to figure certainly that uh, is pretends things to come, that it is going to be Mitchell Trubisky back ready to go after the bye week. Yeah, it sounds like everything I heard yesterday uh, is that Mitch will be ready, but i got to think they've got to get a third quarterback in that room. They have to. So are they going out and making a deal for you know some veteran arm that's out there? Because you're going to have Mr. Trubisky playing in a harness, and you have Chase Daniel, who's just okay. So who's out there? I mean, there's got to be a veteran guy. Everyone likes Alex Smith, but he's not healthy enough ready to play. Case Keenum didn't even dress for the Redskins last week. So uh, there's got to be a guy that they have their eyes on or someone on another practice squad that you could look at and go, yep, absolutely, we'll take a shot at that guy just so you have a body here. 
Talking with David Kaplan as he joins us here, NBC Sports Chicago, ESPN 1000, as we take a look around what's happening across the Bears and across the Chicago landscape. All right, Kappa, one more on the Bears in this bye week here. You mentioned what they've done offensively. We talked a lot about that. How about on the defensive side of the football? That final drive, it was aided by the running into the punter penalty, certainly there, but giving up a 97-yard drive, certainly a lot of frustration. Look, I'm in the minority of people talking about the Bears in Chicago right now, fans, media alike. Yes, the offense has to be better, 100%. But when you've got them first and 10 at their own three, you can't let them run it down your throat 97 yards. And I know some people's comeback has been, hey, they stopped them, but they ran into the kicker. All I know is they didn't stop them. They didn't. It was first and ten at their own three. Khalil Mack not on the field, by the way. Why, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And he was in and out on that final drive. And then they have to come back on the field. There's a fake punt. Khalil was in on that. And they end up taking it all the way down the field and beating you. So, yeah, that's my problem is, yes, offense has got to be better. The defense has certainly carried, you know, the first five weeks has been the better unit. But in the end, the Eagles game last year in the playoffs, you let them drive down the field and beat you. This game, you let them drive down the field and beat you. Green Bay, you let them have two drives when you know you couldn't afford to give up a field goal late or give up that four-play 75-yard drive for the game's only touchdown in week one. They beat you. And I'm not expecting them to shut everybody out. Please don't misunderstand me. But when the game's on the line and I have the alleged best defense in the National Football League, you got to play like it. And certainly didn't on Sunday in London. From that cap, uh, you also had the late arrival there. Different teams do it different ways. Any concerns, any questions, second-guessing, looking back at the decision to go in later in the week, making their way over across the pond? You know, you're asking someone who has done a ton of international travel, and going over there, I sleep on the plane. I mean, I actually spoke to a sleep expert before we did our first trip. He said, the night before you leave, do your best to stay up all night, and then I go work out, and then we don't fly till like 4 in the afternoon. So by the time 4 in the afternoon comes, I'm exhausted. I get on the plane, and I go to sleep. And I sleep for a good seven hours on my flight. We land, we go check in, and I hit the ground running. I take a shower, and we're gone. No naps, no going to sleep, and you go through your day and you power through it, and then you go to bed at a normal hour at night and you're on their time and you're good. And that's what the Bears did. They got the same exact advice from their sleep expert that I did. And when they hit the ground, just because they didn't play bad, just because they did play bad in the first half and end up losing the game, everyone in Chicago is saying, well, they should have gone in a week earlier. No, they shouldn't have gone on Sunday because Matt Nagy was part of a Chiefs team that went in there and rocked whoever it was they played, I think the Lions, 44-10, to 10, and said, yeah, we had no problem with that. I think you could do it either way, and if you win, you look smart. If you lose, you look dumb. Over to the Cubs, and uh, the managerial wait continues here. There can be news that comes out before the World Series. MLB doesn't like any breaking news, certainly, to happen uh, during the World Series here. What's the latest that you're hearing? Of course, former catchers Joe Girardi, David Ross being talked about a lot, and uh, another name on the list. Uh, what can you tell us about Will Venable? 
Will is a brilliant guy. Ivy League educated, really well liked by the players, really well liked and respected in that room. I'd be surprised if he's the choice. I would. Uh, for me, this is a no-brainer. If you truly believe, and they do, that their team can be, with some tweaks, right back in contention next year, Joe Girardi is the hire. It is absolutely 100% the hire that you have to make. This guy wants the job. This guy has ties to the Cubs. This guy has ties to Chicago. He went to Northwestern. He is a brilliant guy. And I keep hearing this you know, ridiculous narrative from some uninformed media people in the Chicago area. That, well, he's not an analytic guy. His nickname was Binder Joe in New York. He's an engineering degree from Northwestern. And he said to me, I'm all about numbers. My whole life, I've always looked at percentages and numbers. Doesn't mean I'm not going to use my gut sometimes and go, you know what? I think Ken Miller's the right move here, and I should <laughs> use him. But the book says I should use Trent. I'm going with Ken. He goes, I'll do that. But he said, I'm just telling you. I am about analytics when it makes sense, and I'll use my managerial gut and my experience as a baseball guy. So, for me, this is a no-brainer hire. We know your affinity for the Cubs after the Cardinals get it done in that ridiculous 10-run first inning yesterday against the Braves. Are you a Nationals fan now? I'm a fan of anyone playing the Cardinals. <laughs> and so, yes, I am rooting. I like Davey Martinez. I always got along very well with him when I covered him here. And I'm happy for the Nationals fans who kept seeing you know, their team get to the postseason and can't take the next step and even win a playoff series. And as a fan who's enjoyed that in the last few years, I think it's really cool. And now I'd love to see them rock the Cardinals and then go on and win the World Series. I think it'd be great. I'm rooting for Tampa tonight to beat Houston. And I thought last night when Washington beat the Dodgers, it was a really cool moment. But it also was a little sad for me because I've gotten to know Clayton Kershaw and he has been on my radio show and he's just a wonderfully good guy. And I... He's going to the Hall of Fame. He's one of the great pitchers of our lifetime. And to see him, you know, today, everyone's going, he's a loser in big games. Not a loser, but he hasn't pitched well. The narrative is what the narrative is because he didn't perform. Final thing for you, David Kaplan joining us here on Miller and Condon. Kappa, it continues to be a huge conversation piece. Basketball media days going on in the college ranks, and that is, of course, the California law that passed 2023 players being able to use their their likeness to be able to profit. You were somebody that was a college coach for a number of years. You know the NCAA incredibly well. Your thoughts on this as a whole? Look, I believe that players shouldn't be able to go into the bookstore and see these jerseys hanging there with their name on the back or certainly their number. and Everyone knows why people are buying it, and then they don't get a piece of it. That's just not fair. So I'm all for it. Let's assume that it's the running back at the University of Wisconsin, and the running back has his jersey in there. Well, does the left tackle go, hold on, dude, without me blocking for your behind, you're not selling all those jerseys. So where do we draw the line? How do we fix this? Does the point guard who said, I set you up, I got 12 assists in that game, nine of them to you, and you scored these points, and you're becoming this great star, what about a piece for me? I don't know how you fix this, rectify all of this, but I do believe that when you see the, I'm talking billions mm-hmm. that the NCAA brings in, I think it's 
seven billion alone on the men's basketball tournament, and then add up all the the uh, football money. When you add all that money in, and you have a women's lacrosse player or a men's volleyball player that work just as hard as the athletes on the Iowa football team or the Iowa State basketball team or the Northern Iowa basketball team, I don't know how you treat everyone the same, and I think you have to. You know, Cap, uh, with that, my, my thoughts about, you know, how does it work in professional ranks? You know, the, the quarterback makes $30 million a year while you got 12 guys that are playing for this league minimum. They figure out a way there. These college coaches, they're paid enough. I think they can figure it out, too. Yeah, there's got to be a way to figure this out, or there is enough money to say, okay, we're going to give everybody X. But, you know, if you use the Olympic model, Michael Phelps can go out and mm-hmm. do a commercial or do this or do that. And, the, you know, the last guy on the relay, who's the weakest link but still a really good swimmer, might not get that deal. So, you know, maybe he can make this work. It's just a little tougher at the college level. Cap, thanks as always for your time. I know you got to run. Appreciate it. You guys have a great day, my man. Talk to you next week. Sounds great. David Kaplan checking in ESPN 1000 in Chicago along with NBC Sports Chicago as he joins us. Take a look around Chicago and a look a little bit deeper inside the world of sports. It's presented each and every week by Centurion Stone of Iowa. Their showroom, you can find out what they can do to help improve the look of your home. Manufacture natural storm to accent and update your exterior or interior project of any size. Centurion Stone of Iowa with a variety of styles. You can stop by the showroom, 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. 5525 Northeast 22nd Street. Stop on out, say hello, and find out what they can do to make your home look beautiful. Centurion Stone of Iowa. We'll take the time out. Coming back on the other side, Ken will join us as we continue taking you up until noon. Miller and Condon. Walk. This is Iowa State Athletics Director Jamie Pollard, and you're listening to Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. 1145 Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Final segment of the program. Let's get right to it. Alex Halstead, he's two, is uh, flying into Pittsburgh tomorrow before he makes his way to Morgantown, Iowa State, West Virginia, uh, 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Alex Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it, Alex Halstead. When I look at this matchup, I see a uh, an Iowa State secondary that um, Johnson, Young, Walker, Lewis, Bickham. I hope they get. I hope they're well rested uh, before Saturday because West Virginia likes to throw the football, throw, throw, and then throw some more with Austin Kendall. Is that how you see it? Do you see it the same way that the secondary is going to have to be up to the task on Saturday afternoon? Yeah, I asked uh, John Haycock that yesterday of. What, what he's kind of seen from West Virginia under Neil Brown. And he said, well, they're still air raid. You know, they're, they're a team that, you know, hasn't really changed offensively as much as they have changed defensively under a new head coach. You know, they're last year, I think, ranked 24th nationally and, and throwing a little more than 37 times a game, game under Dana Hogerson. Uh, this year they're throwing about 38 times a game uh, under Neil Brown and, and ranked 19th in the country. So they're going to pass the ball a lot when you look at their quarterback, uh, Austin Kendall, who came over from Oklahoma in four or five games this year, he's thrown the ball at least 37 times. So that's kind of their mantra. They don't, they don't run the ball great, and so they, they pass the ball a lot. And uh, those guys have to be ready, and it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they hold up throughout the day. 
Dangers on the road, certainly, regardless of where you go in conference play. There's always sitting there. Uh, going on the road is more difficult. We saw Iowa State for three quarters not play very well at Baylor. What's Iowa State need to do differently to get off to a good start on the road? Yeah, that is kind of the big thing on the road. you got to you know, handle things a little differently, and, and that's going to be what Iowa State really faces now from here on out. You know, Four of their final seven games are on the road after having the kind of the comforts of home for uh, most of the first part of the season. So, um, you know, I think they, they've got to probably, you know, get off to a quicker start, obviously, than Baylor. I think that's kind of the biggest thing is uh, don't fall behind against West Virginia. Um, you know, this is a West Virginia team that's very capable uh, offensively, and, and they played really well last week. Uh, yeah, they did. Three quarters, mm-hmm. You know, they had Texas uh, within a, in a 21-17 game going into the fourth quarter, and then things kind of got away from them. And the reason things got away from them is Austin Kendall ended up throwing four interceptions total. Mm-hmm. And I think those are kind of the couple keys to this game is, is by one – they got to be able to finish drives, but also they got to probably create a couple turnovers because I think this is the type of game where you know you're favored by ten plus points or whatever it is. Uh, you know, you create a couple turnovers that can kind of swing the game, and that's what swung the game uh, in Texas's favor last week. Look, Iowa State's got more talent. The, the three wins West Virginia's got are James Madison, NC State, and Kansas. I, I agree, they did play Texas tough. You know what I was impressed with, and and you know, just looking back at the game. Texas, yep, they, they got their picks, but they didn't get a lot of pressure on Kendall. He wasn't on the ground at all in that football game. So maybe West Virginia's offensive line is, you know, good in pass pro. They I mean they should be. They're getting a lot of experience at it. Uh, but, um, you know, that's, a, that's an area that maybe might, uh, you know, provide some trouble for Iowa State. That's getting to the quarterback, and they've been good at that lately. Yeah, and that's an area that Iowa State's defensive line is not getting a ton of pressure, but they're, the they're backers. creating pressure for a guy like, yeah, like Orion Vance. So yep. that's what's going to be interesting is, you know, how do you handle that? How do you handle the in-between of that? Because like a, like we talked about before, this is an air raid team. You know, the next two weeks, Iowa State's going to face the number two and 19 teams in the country in terms of mm. pass attempts with West Virginia and Texas Tech. So they're going to get thrown out a lot. But how do you balance that with when do you bring blitzers and when do you drop seven and eight guys into coverage? and that's probably the, the difficult part for John Haycock here uh, in these next two games is, is trying to figure that out. But they do like bringing Ryan Vance and Mike Rose and some of those guys on blitzes, and that's what they had success with West Virginia against last year, you know, when they brought some pressure against Will Greer. So I'm really interested to see how they handle that because, you know, they've been really good on the run game. Um, Iowa State's defense has, and uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can get some pressure to try to force him into some of those mistakes. Alec, really, uh, a really interesting article you had up at Cyclone Alert. You asked Matt Campbell about some of the unsung heroes of the team, the guys under the radar, not the Brock Purdy's or the Greg Eisworth. Interesting uh, what Campbell had to say. Take us into that one. Yeah, so you know, he got asked uh, you know, early in the press conference and you know didn't really hesitate to answer. The first time out of his mouth was Josh Kniffle. I don't think that's a hmm. huge surprise. He's a guy that Campbell talked to us about last year. That you know he was one of their most consistent players, and um, you know, and I think now he started with what thirty plus games straight since he's got to Iowa State and. Gibbs said he graded out at 87% Saturday and uh, had 10 knockdowns. I think that matches up with Pro Football Focus, who uh, said that Kniffle didn't uh, allow a single pressure and 33 pass blocking snaps against TCU and graded out as the highest uh, graded uh, guard in terms of run blocking last week. So he's been really good for them. And I think sometimes you don't hear his name because sometimes with offensive linemen, you only hear their name when things go wrong. And so you don't hear his name a whole lot. But then the other two names he quickly uh, moved into were Lawrence White at safety, who's uh, Iowa State's second-leading yep. tacklers made five starts this year. And then he really liked the Landon Akers and what they've done with him on punt coverage uh, as a gunner. You know, he's the one that kind of contained Jalen Rieger 
uh, last week against TCU. Yeah, I know. He's, uh, he's flashing on special teams, no doubt about that. Uh, Zach Peterson's another name, and a great story, right? I uh, love these kind of stories. And Zach Peterson, you know, Campbell basically uh, took the blame for not getting the game earlier. Um, but Zach Peterson, when he got his start, and that was last week, boy, uh, he, he, he really jumped out. He was really, really good on an offensive line who's got a bunch of really good players. Peterson fit right in. Yeah, Peterson's a, kind of sometimes what your typical Iowan recruiting story can be. You know, sometimes there's a couple guys that pop up late in every cycle because they flash as a senior, and, and sometimes in this state you can kind of get overlooked for a little bit. And towards the end of his senior season, he had school start coming, Illinois, Kansas State, Iowa, Iowa State, and Nebraska. You know, he ended up with five power five offers, but they all came basically when his season was over. And many of those were gray shirts. Iowa State's was a gray shirt offer. I think Nebraska's was um, – uh, there's a couple that were gray shirt offers, but Campbell wouldn't watch him wrestle in water loose, and he had a couple pins in less than a minute, uh, and, and he quickly changed his mind that he wanted to bring him in right away. And um, Peterson told me that uh, it was interesting because the day that all kind of unfolded, he had talked to his parents and said, hey, I'm going to call them tonight and commit. And then before he called the committed, about an hour before he had planned to call Campbell to commit, Campbell called him and said, hey, we want you to bring bring you in right away instead of a gray shirt. So it actually kind of all worked out together, and uh he ended up committing in that class, and I, I don't think they anticipated it being this fast, but played eight games last year as a true freshman, and uh, he's been a starter-quality player now as a sophomore. In season, things certainly change. Timelines change, speaking of recruiting in football compared to what it uh, what once was. But with 21 commitments already, what is Iowa State still looking at? Any big fish that they're after uh, going in here before we get to the December signing period? Yeah, my job has been pretty slow in that regard. You know, that's yeah. a big part of my job, and yet it's been really slow in the season because there's really not been official visitors. There's not been a whole lot of targets because, like you mentioned, the 21 commits, and a lot of that's been done before fall camp even started. One of their tasks right now is holding on to some guys. Their running back commit by Williams has been offered by Ohio State. Um, he's from Cincinnati, so that's obviously an in-state offer. Um, I've actually heard some positive things that, you know, Iowa State could still beat out Ohio State for him. So um, that will be interesting to watch. Uh, that's That's one that's still kind of – in the waiting, their Juco wide receiver commit this week got offered by Syracuse. Um, so, you know, there's going to be pl- schools that still go after some of these kids. So that's one of their biggest tasks in season is continuing on those relationships, going out to see the kids during their bye weeks, especially in November, and uh, hanging on to some of those guys. But I'd say the one position that you still got to watch is uh, defensive tackle. You know, you're going to lose Ray Lima and Jamal Johnson, and they like guys, you know, like Tucker Robertson and Isaiah Lee and Josh Bailey, but they need some kind of veteran and. Uh, right now, they're after with Carl Bankston, uh, down from Hutchinson Community College in Kansas. He is one guy that did take an official visit for the Louisiana Monroe game, and uh, he could end up being a Juco All-American, uh, one of the top sack guys in the country at, at the Juco level. And uh, Iowa State, Kansas State, Boise State, um, some others are in that mix. He's the number two Juco in the country uh, at defensive tackle. So he's a guy they really want to plug that hole in the middle next year. Mm. Speaking of guys on defense plugging holes, that's great guys worth job normally when he's healthy, but uh, not the same player last couple of weeks since he got uh, banged up and dinged up against ULM. Is there a chance he doesn't play? I know Campbell says he was probable. Is there a chance that uh, that he misses this one? That, that's kind of what I've been trying to kind of sort through because for most sounds of it, he can play through it uh, if he wants to, but at some point you try to rest him and, see if you can get him healthy for a week uh, is kind of the question, or is it just going to be something that lingers regardless? Um, you know, like you said, Campbell said he's probable yesterday. Haycock didn't say he would or wouldn't play, but he did say he has confidence in Braxton Lewis and Arnold Bazuna 
um, to also give him some rest, even if he does play. So if he doesn't play, you know, one of those guys can step in. If he does play, I think they do want to try to find ways to limit his his reps a little bit just so he can stay healthy um, throughout the entire season. But it is interesting because you look at last week and they're up, uh, you know, up big. He gets hurt in the next three drives, TCU scores. And I don't know if those are correlated or not. John Haycock said that it had more to do with just giving up some big plays than that. But, uh, you know, he's obviously a key piece to that. And you want him on the field, but you also want to try to make sure you have him throughout the rest of the season. No doubt about that. Alex, safe trip out there. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Alex Halstead. Okay, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. CycloneAlert.com, part of 24-7 Sports. All right, another reminder, game one of the uh, NLCS, uh, the Cardinals. The Cardinals will be down the dial on WHO tomorrow night. Murph and Andy at two, Fanatics at four, then Hawkeye Central at five, Cyclone Fanatic at six, Hawkeye Nation at seven. Have I got it right? I think you got everything. Okay, who do you like tonight, real quick? Uh, In the baseball, first of all. Over. Over. Over, over First in the five. game. First five over. Uh, we'll talk about all that tomorrow. Busy Friday. Thanks for being here. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO.